0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at
1: SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show and welcome back to me, back to Seattle. I just got back a couple days ago uh, from the Emory Tour and the Bad C- Christian Conference, and my goodness, it went off so well. It was probably the best run of Emory shows we've just ever done I mean most of the shows sold out and it was, it's just so cool that we get to you know do the kind of things we want to do and that we have fans and they get to talk about it on this podcast and each the bad Christian podcast helps Emory and Emery helps break it down and I get to work with so many fun people and it's just working we don't have a boss we don't have a anything we just do whatever we feel like and figure out how to make it work so thank you for being part of this experiment very much it's uh it is cool today on the show, I'm talking to Jamie Kilstein. Jamie is fundamentally a comedian. He's done some other stuff. He used to do some political stuff. He had a show called Citizen Radio. Very left-wing kind of a, a community that he was in, But he's a commu- but he's a comedian also. So I found Jamie and have been listening to his podcast, and I heard him on Joe Rogan a while back, and so since some of y'all know I've taken a little bit of interest in comedy, I've done some open mics myself and trying to force myself to do that because I think it's a really, really fun, challenging, and frankly terrifying thing to do is get up in front of people and tell them you're going to make them laugh and then try. And I've been largely unsuccessful, but a couple of little laughs here and there, and it's, i got to tell you, it feels pretty good. And so I thought it'd be cool to kind of take the approach that I take with other things to comedy and I think about it a lot when I watch a Netflix special or go to open mics. So I thought it'd be cool to talk to a comedian about uh you know some of the process and how he thinks about it and just try to get in there and try to get a better grip on what's going on. Additionally, Jamie uh like I mentioned before him being left wing and doing political stuff, he has been off social media and out of the public eye for like a while, for like almost a year, and is just coming back and he we talk about it a little bit. I thought it was quite interesting that he used to be some, somebody who self identifies as like a, a person that would go after other people on Twitter and he was living his whole life online and got sucked into that whole world and was criticizing other people and trying to tear people down and stuff like that. And now it's come out the other side of that with a, a totally different point of view on it. Um, and I thought that was an interesting thing to discuss. So we got into that a little bit. Uh, I think it's a pretty neat episode. Jamie has a podcast called, uh, Fuck Up Pod is the name of his podcast, Jamie Kilstein. And this episode is brought to you by Rockabilia. Rockabilia is the place to go to get band t-shirts, you know, hoodies, beanies, posters, and all the stuff that here's what I like about him is all the stuff is officially licensed. So it's not bootlegs and they, you know, it's a good deal. So when you when you're buying stuff over there, the artists are, are getting paid. And they have everything. I mean, you can get a slipknot stuff or you can get indie band stuff or just t- they've had tons of pop culture stuff over there they used to be a magazine and now they're more of a website it's called rockabilia.com. and you can get anything over there for 15% off if you just use the promo code associated with me in the show and that one is pc break it down you get 15% off support those guys get somebody I i don't know valentine's day present get them a t- band t- get them a nirvana t-shirt those are always good anyway rockabilia.com for that let's get on to the show
2: Break It Down, Dada! Break it down,
0: oh break it down! Break it down, oh break it down! Break It Down, oh break it down! Jamie, thank you for your time today. Appreciate it.
2: Yeah, man, me too. I uh,
0: <laughs> one, the, <laughs> I'm in, almost embarrassed about this, but I am just—I uh, never get sick. But I woke up with a fever this uh, in the middle of the night, and I just feel terrible. So I usually have a bit more energy and Dude, personality than you will find today.
2: Fucking, legitimately, feel free to cut this at <laughs> any time. I, uh, everyone's getting the flu yep. in Los Angeles. When I got the flu. It was the sorry this is probably not the groundbreaking journalism that's, you were looking for right. but when I got the, but when I got the flu it was the week after my fucking girlfriend and I broke up and you know how like you know how um like when you break up you're like all right like time to be a better man, time to, I'm going to do yoga and I'm going to work out and I'm going to hang out Mm -hmm. with my boys more and I'm going to (laughs) write and you have this like, this list of like, this like eat, pray, love list of things you want to do and then suddenly I got the flu the next day and instead of doing any of that, I'm like wrapped up on my friend's couch like in a blanket with like night sweats and I was just like, is this what being single is like? Like it was (laughs) awful and it ruined like all of that and I was like, I got to call her, I got to I gotta call her back 'Cause she has to take care of me because I'm weak. (laughs) And like it it was it was the worst. It was the worst.
0: Yeah, that's bad. But on the other hand, if you if you've got a couple of kids like I do and a wife that really count on you for stuff, they don't have a lick of sympathy for daddy. They don't even think about it. I'm laying on the couch shivering. They want they just zero sympathy. Couldn't get sympathy if I tried.
2: Drive me to soccer and stop being weak.
0: Exactly. But that's all right. I don't get to take that off and I feel a little bit better now that I'm up and talking. So anyway, um, so I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things, but at least I wanted that this shows break it down. And I don't know that you have a background on me or anything like that, but I'm a musician. I've been doing that for 15 years and I podcast and do music full time. So it's, you know, creative right, stuff, entertaining, that kind of thing. I'm quite interested in comedy and it's just so related to uh, it's just similar. There's very similar small worlds I know of comedy and that kind of thing. With music and the other creative and podcasting, just so much overlap there. And so what I do a lot of times is just talk about music in super detail or music theory or something else interesting in science. I'm a very technical uh, kind of a person. So I like to get in there and just try to learn some stuff from people that know more than I do. And I've taken a keen interest in comedy lately, so I figured you could help me think about it because I kind of think in concepts and techniques and stuff like that, so...
2: Yeah, I love this. And I also, I, I think there's a lot of overlap. Um, you know, I play music too. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's so funny where um, a lot of like bigger musicians have sort of taken to my stand-up And I always oh, thought really? that was like so cool. And I didn't know why, but it's that classic. I think comedians want to be rock stars. Yep. And I think rock stars want to be comics. Yep. Um, You know what I mean? Like there's something about, being on stage with your band and uh, saying some banter in between mm. and getting a laugh that then they go, Oh, maybe I want to do this. And then with comics, the way we pace the stage and, you know, the idea of, instead of being oh. alone up on stage, but having like a band and like a bass line mm-hmm. and drums, like backing you up, you know, you're like, you're a step away from being a rock star, but, but you don't have that, 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 umph, Yeah. uh, that a band gives you, you know. So, yeah, no, this makes total sense to me.
0: They uh the thing about it I think it's funny is there's definitely some both ways there, but musicians are Often very boring and not good at talking at all, first of all. But um, (laughs) the thing's interesting about comedians is you're tortured artists. You're like,
2: (laughs) you're introverts. You, you, not me, but a lot of most of them through song, they say, or something like that. Yeah.
0: I'm not an expressive person. I don't even think I'm, I'm just more of a mental student of, I figured out how music works and kind of can do it. So I'm kind of trying to think of comedy the same way, if that makes any sense. Okay. it's like uh, with musicians – with comedians, when they talk – something that's always tripped me out is how comedians always use the, all the language of bands. They talk about I'm playing here or my, you know, the, the set, and it's almost like they speak of it as a concert, which is always, yeah. I think, is so funny because it seems like that's not really the right language for it, but stand-up doesn't have its own language.
2: Well, it depends. Like, so do you arrange your set list mm-hmm. – so I did this with music too, but I don't know if it's because I was a comic, so – like set list, for example, I would like if you have a new song, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Are you going to put that if I have a new bit and I'm not sure if it's going to work and especially because like my stuff's kind of like edgier and, and, and political mm-hmm. um, or was it political, um, do you, I will put the risky bit? In between two killer bits.
0: Oh, of course. So,
2: like, if you have a new song, like you sandwich it that way too, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You put if you're going to play a new song, it's a little different because you might get a. Well, that's fundamentally different because it's weak only because it's new. So, sometimes your fans will be excited that you're going to play a new song if they're old fans or whatever. But for the most part, they just don't. They just want to hear the same thing over and over again. You have to play your greatest hits at a concert, but comedy, you're playing something new very often. it, It seems like you know.
2: Yeah. Well, comedy, I feel like it used to be people before the internet, they actually did want to hear the hits. And then, you know, I th- I feel like Carlin was the first person who started talking about doing a different hour every year. Mm-hmm. And then when Louis CK started doing it, all these other comics kind of jumped on it. And now, because these specials are streaming and comedy is so popular. Um, it's like the second your Netflix special drops, you kind of, it's the opposite of music. You kind of, you, you have to it. go to a club that night and you have to already be working on your new hour as opposed to like, if fans of your band come and you don't play the song. That's like, hard. do you remember the Simpsons where Homer was just shouting, taking care of business at yeah. the, the band that just wanted to do new? I feel like the Simpsons has had a couple musician jokes oh, yeah. Um, about new stuff. There was also like, it was either like, I think it was Sting who was performing in Homer's backyard and he was like, uh, he was like, all right, but first something from the new album, just kidding. Yeah, and exactly. Like, but yeah, it, it's so interesting where, where, and you guys probably get, you know, sick of playing the, the, totally. or, or, or imagine the one hit wonder song that, you know, they just want to pour, pour smash mouth. that just wants to uh, experiment with jazz f- fusion <laughs> right. and they can't. That's
0: right. <laughs> I mean, it's not that bad, but it is like, you know, it's the same song. Some of the same songs are 15 years, play them thousands of times, you know, kind of a thing. It's crazy. But it's what uh, I
2: used to do, my trick was I would, uh, I would put like an improv, like jammy part mm-hmm. in the more popular songs so that the band, so we could at least make it different yep. and have something to look forward to. That's right.
0: Yeah, you had to do something new or different. And then really the interactive part and when you're speaking from stage, that's that becomes exciting because that that goes different every night. What are you going to say and is there right. know, what's the alive elements? Right. We do a lot of Q&A if we're doing like a VIP set before or stuff like that. So those are the parts oh, that, that feel awesome. fun. So you can And it's, the difference is though st- starkly the difference is if you have a uh, hundreds of people that paid to come see your band play they will laugh at anything you say. <laughs> They'll oh, laugh at anything you say, and it's, not, it's a crutch. You know, it feels good to, to have a podcast yeah. fans and music fans, and it's just a home crowd, and you just can make them laugh with almost nothing. And then if you go to an open mic, you're chow-chow. You're I mean, it's, it's yeah. a disaster.
2: Well, that's another interesting difference, where comedy audiences almost come in confrontational. Not if yes. they're your fans, not if you, you're, 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 you're doing theaters and stuff like that. But if you go to a random comedy night, like a Tuesday night mm-hmm. comedy show, or you go to a, you know, a, a, a music showcase, people don't go to see a band with that. Like if I'm on a date and I go see a band, I'm not going to be like, I can play guitar better than that guy. Mm-hmm. Or like. This guy, better, this guy better be musically – this guy better not be musically inept, yeah. whereas comedy, there's that weird – you have paid to laugh, and there's that weird – you walk on stage, and you'll see someone with their arms folded, <laughs> like, looking at his girl, being like, oh, you think this guy's funny? And you're just like, why are you so mad at me? I'm trying to bring you laughter and joy. Yeah, Jeez, like take it down, man. And so, uh, so that's a really interesting difference where I think with music people now, what you guys will get is like, I mean, I guess we get this too, is like people will talk and it can be seen as background music. Um, mm-hmm. uh, that is, I guess the open mic equivalent, but even that's not as painful. Cause then you just treat it like a band practice. Whereas like a comic, when you go up at an open mic, And or when you go up even at like a a crappy bar show and you walk in and you slowly realize, oh, they don't know there's going to be a comedy show.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. Everyone's watching the games and the bartender like slowly turns off the television and everybody realizes it's your fault and you're just up there. You're not again. If you have a band. Open, open with a cover, yep. or just look at the band. Who cares if people aren't listening? You're getting paid right. to rehearse, and or, you know what
0: you're gonna do. Or, I mean, there's nothing much to it, you know. Yeah, It, right. it takes but, care of itself in a way.
2: But if they don't know it's a comedy show, you just seem like the drunk guy at a party. That's like, hey, I mm. have thoughts. Everybody, look at me and listen. And it's just, it's just a, it's just a nightmare. Well,
0: it's like that. It, to me, it's like the highest bar of performance art, but it's so lowly. Like that's what it it's like. The highest level of awkwardness and degree of difficulty I mean it's harder than almost anything because it's yeah. just you and all that. and that's what's so attractive to me about it it's so, so high degree of difficulty it's like you had to have real balls to do it and so I just respect it so much but on the other hand it's so lowly like the open mics that you can go to and stuff and I'm sure with all the stuff you do is uh, you know good places and good stuff but it, it, when you start out it's like uh, you know 18 kind of dorky people like it's not even it's not even a cool crowd and it feels like there's oh. a, you know you know what I mean it's, well, it's almost like band nerds in high school it's like drama people or something it's just it's not even a, a super cool crowd and you still feel oh. like the, the biggest idiot in the world
2: oh dude I was talking to my friend the other day who's like a more well-known comic and um And he was like – we were talking about whenever people would be like, so were you the class clown? I'm like, are you out of your mind? The class (laughs) clown used to beat the crap out of me and like call me gay and try to shove me in a (laughs) locker. Like – I was like the awkward nerd yes. who was afraid yeah. to, you know, fight back and would just like sadly go home and write his thoughts down. Um, that's counterintuitive it, though.
0: I mean, why why isn't it the funny people that are good at the people that are naturally funny and charismatic? Well, and, and, uh, why are they not good clowns. at it?
2: Because they're not funny, they're hacks. they they were the class clowns are just shouting movie quotes yeah, really right. loud or doing racist accents or bull- <laughs> or like right. bullying, yeah. right? But you're yeah. dumb kids. So that's like the funniest thing. Like the class clown wasn't doing like a nuanced bit about uh-huh. depression. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they were literally standing on the desk. Uh and you know, it was the easiest. They were the equivalent of prop comics. They were the Gallagher. They were smashing yeah. watermelons, right? Um, they were they were hacks. Um, and you know, I had this weird moment where like I took uh I took a bunch of time off from stand up. And I kind of started I, I started hanging out with because my um, my like other passion, oddly enough, because I love doing unmarketable things is, besides uh, music. Oh, yeah. Is, uh, MMA as I do jitsu and box and stuff like that. So I suddenly was hanging out with the total opposite crowd, right, um, of comics. I was hanging out with secure, confident mm-hmm. athletes. And the second I went back to stand up, I had this moment, legitimately, not even I'm not trying to be funny or anything, where I was like, I guess I got to go back to like being depressed and like drinking more, mm-hmm. and uh, because that's that's that vibe you're describing, where mm-hmm. it's like if you walk in again, not established comics, but if you walk into like a mid-level room or an open mic and you're just like hey guys isn't life great they're just gonna be like Get right out. yeah it doesn't work about like there's something it's almost been romanticized the the misery and depression i mean that's why that's also why you see a lot of comics deal with like addiction and depression you know not to like make this a downer but i i, I think what you said has a lot to do with it it's like the space nurtures that attitude. Yeah, added- it
0: does it attracts or- a certain type
2: Yeah. And with music, there's such a collaborative aspect of it where it's like, you know, I mean, bands get in fights and stuff like that, but how upset can you, if you show up to a band practice and you guys are mad at each other, once you get into the song, you have to look at each other like, guys, this is cool, right? Like we're adults and we're being paid to jam. Mm -hmm. Like it's amazing. Whereas, you know, comedy, you, there's not as much of that. Again, once you get successful, you have your friends, you're trying to make each other laugh. Podcasts have become more collaborative, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. Um, But it can be very, very lonely, very, very isolating.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's I just, that's the vibe I get from it. It's lowly. And it's this weird, it's, it's masochistic in a way, I guess. Like, you know, everybody has to start with make self deprecating and make sure you know who I am. I've been trying to, the first few times I did it, I didn't, because I live in Seattle, and so I'll, if I go up and don't immediately talk about how stupid my accent is, nobody will listen at all. They just they just can't, but they just can't get over it, so I have to deal with that right away. I can't talk like this. Yeah. I, you know, It's funny anyway, living in Seattle and having this accent. It actually usually works as charming and people dig it, but if I get up yeah. and try material, if I don't start – with me being a dumb redneck and nobody I can't get anybody to listen.
2: <laughs> That's so interesting because I, um, you know, w- there's, there's always that it, it, it's almost uh, a, a stereotype. Like whenever you're, there are like TV showcases or there were in like New York or LA back in the day, everyone would open with that. Like, so yeah. I know what you're thinking or like yeah. my mom's Hawaiian and my dad's a Jew. Right. So that means a uh, Holocaust spam. I don't know. Um, and, uh, but I never thought of it. Where it's like it, it, from from your end, where it's like, no, I have to acknowledge it. Yeah, I have you know? to. Yeah,
0: I thought I had some material, you know, and, and some of the stuff I have works a little it, bit. It's, it's a, not even good, it, but it's just they. I have to address it, or they're just like thrown off. Like, who is this guy talking fast or semi? Uh, you know, I'm kind of factual and fast with words and decent vocabulary, and it just doesn't match the accent or something. Funny. And then, yes, yeah. nobody can you'll, listen.
2: You'll get to a point where you don't have to, which is great. Um, and then, or you'll get to a point and maybe you're doing this already where it it, it can become a kind of deep philosophical bit as opposed to like, I sound funny, not saying that's what you're doing, mm-hmm. uh, but that's what I always find interesting. And it's actually kind of cool where, you know, I feel like when people start stand up, here's what I've noticed. When people start stand up, they, they talk like what they think a comic's going to talk yeah. like. Yeah. No matter how funny or intelligent they are in real life, if Noam Chomsky went to do an open mic, Noam Chomsky, one of the most renowned intellectuals of all time, would be like, So uh my wife's a bitch. Right, exactly. That's, right. Yeah. that's what happens. Yeah. It's this bizarre thing. And then you find the comics you like, right? So like I've had moments when playing guitar where like you're improvising and you hit a lick that sounds like Stevie Ray Vaughan you hit that you know that like looping bend mm-hmm. or whatever and you go sweet I'm doing it right you don't go ah damn it that's Stevie Ray Vaughan's I got to I got to be more original right yep. Right. And this happens with comedy. Like when I was coming up in New York, everybody sounded like David tell it was bah, da, bah, da, bah, da, da, midgets. Yeah. And like everybody, right. That was the, the tone. That was the inflection. I'm sure now people are doing it with burr or people are, you know, uh segura or whatever. Um, and you get this inflection And the amateur in your brain goes, Oh, I guess I'm doing that right. Because that inflection I recognized from comics I like, um, and it's getting a laugh. And then as you kind of grow, you chip away at that and you realize like, I don't worry about joke thieves anymore. So many people worry about joke thieves. I don't worry about joke thieves because my stuff is so depressing and dark and alienating and, (laughs) and, 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 personal but I'm like oh you want to steal my material welcome to my hell buddy Yeah. Uh, um it is going to be a nightmare of a of a trek for you and so like the more personal you can make stuff not not even in like a gimmicky way just like how does that make you feel like that it's a really interesting to sound rednecky and be in the most like progressive i mean seattle oh, yeah. and portland man mm-hmm. like there's Like, I love that. I think that's such a really interesting concept that, like, you can go deep with that.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, that's what I had to say is, like, you know, I've been here 15 years. I still talk this way. And everybody, it's been so nice and pleasant. People trust me and they like me and they think I'm interesting. But... Now that Trump got elected and everybody looks at me super skeptical now, like so it turned into a bad thing just this year.
2: <laughs> that's so funny. I mean, dude, even me, like I, uh, I, I, saw your setup. I was like, yeah, I assumed you were like in yeah. a garage outside of Nashville, Yeah, like right away. Like when you said Seattle, I was just like, what, you know what I mean? Like, I, I love the idea of like you getting profiled as a white guy because yeah. you live in pro- the progressive Northwest. Like that's incredible.
0: Well, that's good I was I've only done it about six seven times probably I did I tried to eat too, uh, I went even there's the weird social pressure that I notice about it too like people won't la- it's evolutionary is like the way I feel like you, you pick on the week like if somebody's laughing people laugh if somebody's not they won't dare to laugh with it you know yeah, yeah, like it all yeah. goes together I was there with my wife and Toby that booked this interview is like my best friend and I was real nervous I said alright here we go and they nobody laughed at all like I just it was just total bomb i was rushing through it wasn't good at all but even the stuff that could have worked they didn't laugh my wife didn't laugh all she had to do was laugh but she i imagine her <laughs> and toby were too embarrassed to even laugh because they would feel stupid about laughing at somebody looking stupid anyway so they yeah, couldn't even is, help yeah. me out like it was just really a real environment like you're on your own up there it is no bias nobody's trying to yeah. get you if you can't do it you can't do it and you don't even deserve a fake laugh i thought that was well, pretty you, neat
2: one you have your response now when you're sick and she asks you to run an errand you can be like yeah I'll do it when you laugh at my shit. Right. <laughs> uh, but also um yeah that's a really good point so comedy clubs are also this weird dynamic right where people show up and they don't know what they're expecting and every comic is different and you know people have made this analogy a ton but like you wouldn't go to the movies and be like one ticket for movie please like mm-hmm. you go to a movie like knowing what you want to see. Right. And Again, we have that confrontational aspect, but there's also these weird dynamics, especially now with like all this like PC debate raging. We have these weird dynamics where people go, people, dude, I've had bachelorette parties in my audience. They did not know they were going to see me. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about like war crimes. Uh, They just showed up with their penis hats and they want you to like may, oh you're getting married i guess you're not going to be having sex like yeah. that's what they think is going to happen and suddenly you know you're talking about like uh, the, the free market capitalism and they're like what is this garbage right you have people who show up with work parties um and their bosses in the audience and they're like hey maybe i shouldn't laugh at the abortion joke because my boss is right there I, right. and i get you have first dates where you're trying to feel it out like humor is very personal and and you're right there is that pressure because i've noticed like The opposite of that is if I have 10 hardcore fans Mm -hmm. in a regular comedy club audience, a lot of times they will steer, they will give the audience permission.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's right. To
2: laugh at maybe content that they wouldn't laugh at. Also, sometimes you suck and sometimes you're bombing and buddy for the next 10 years, that's what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, but I also don't believe that like you can't, you can't. People go never blame the audience. That's also. Oh, not true. yeah. For sure. Sometimes the audience sucks. Oftentimes the comic sucks. Yeah. And it's figuring out that dynamic and, and, and kind of looking at it instead of what every open micer wants to do, which is only blame the audience, is doing the thing where you go, okay, that audience sucked, but what could I have done better? Mm-hmm. Right. So this happened to me recently, actually. I did two shows in a row. At Gotham Comedy Club, when I, I I went to New York to do um to do Norton Jim Norton's show, a uh, serious show, awesome. and I got just like a couple spots, and the first night I was on. Uh, can I curse on this? By the yeah, way, I've like kind of yeah, holding no back. Problem. Okay, yeah, go for it. Um, so the first night I have been holding back, but this story I cannot go for. Um, it. Jim so, Norton story. Okay. <laughs> well, no, 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 it's not even him specifically. So I went to do these Gotham shows, and the first night they put me on as one of like the pros on like, it's called a bringer show and it's mm-hmm. a nightmare. I, I don't know if music has an equivalent. I bet it does where essentially you get booked if you bring like 10 paying customers. Right? So mm-hmm. that's how they fill out the audience. So all of these poor open micers who should not be showing their friends their material and will regret it deeply. Um, like that was your mistake, buddy. You brought people you care about.
0: Yeah. It's better to go anonymously and slide. You show up up. with
2: a baseball cap. Like you're like a celebrity, like (laughs) hiding out from the press. I do not tell my family where I'm performing. Um, and so, so they bring all their friends. So it is a very different, when you go to an audience with like comedy fans, it's like, predominantly dudes in jeans and t-shirts. And, um, you know, they, they just want to hear standup when you, when I showed up to this show, it was packed and Gotham is a beautiful club. It was packed and everybody was dressed like they were going to like, you know, the prom like just these like rich people in like these debutante dresses because it was this big night out and their friend was performing at the gotham comedy club not realizing that it was like a, you know these bringer shows are i you can't call it a scam but because mm. that's how they get people in well, the it's audience it's like pay but,
0: to play for if you can open for a bigger band but you got to sell 50 tickets is the uh, probably yeah, the equivalent exactly. yeah.
2: so except you don't even get to open well i guess the, they say that professionals are on the show which mm. like so i'm right. one of those guys right and I'm opening the show, and this was like after my break. So I was used to performing for my audience and stuff like that. And I get up there and I go hard. you know i'm i'm I open with the bit about I mean, remember, I'm first. most of these people have not seen stand-up comedy. They're there <laughs> to see the funny girl, yeah, they're there to see like the fun girl from the office who they've been like, "You should do stand up because that story you told about. Jeff from accounts payable is so funny. And like, she's like, okay. And then, you know, she pays to take a comedy class and puts her set together. So these people aren't, you know, they don't know who Jim Norton is. Like it's that kind of audience. And I get up there and I have this bit that I, 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 that's about, uh, this bit about guys who were like, you know, oh, I'm cool with gays marrying, like as long as they don't try to suck my dick. And so the whole joke is about like, are guys really trying to suck your dick? And mm. then it goes into this whole like abstract thing about just the, i talk about how the floodgates of cocksuckers have opened and straight guys can't walk around anywhere without just gay people grabbing at their dick. And it just keeps going and going and going. And this audience is horrified. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, fuck this rich audience. They don't know comedy, blah, 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 blah. That bit is like one of my strongest bits. It's gotten huge applause breaks everywhere I go. And then I get off stage and new Jamie, who, who I think is a little more mature, um, is like, well, yeah, it's a good bit, but did you need to open with it? Yeah. Like if this audience doesn't know about comedy, like let's make them feel comfortable, right? And then I've also started thinking about recently, I used to be really preachy and self-righteous and that bit I still like cuz it, it goes into some self-deprecating personal stuff but I'm also like I don't necessarily always rant a lot of time I am self-deprecating like you were saying a lot of times I am nervous I'm like why do I take my glasses off before I go on stage? Well I take it off because I'm self-conscious and I want to look like a badass but I'm like I wear glasses so like I'm just going to wear them on stage so the next day I go to Gotham and it's packed again. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to bomb again. Like I flew all the way to New York and I get up and I wear my dorky glasses and I open up with a bit about like getting divorced. Um, and it murders. And then I throw this joke into clothes and it kills. And it works. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, there's, there's a fine line. You have to also respect the audience too, um, even if they aren't comedy savvy. And the technician in you, which is great that you have that instead of getting bitter and ending up doing what most comics do, where you just sit around and you complain, is what can be cool now. I think me trying to be more positive, you being very technical as a musician, is being like, "All right, that sucked, but how do I fix it? Like, how can right. I look at what are the changes I can make? And that's where like the artistry comes. Um, but it's easy just to get bogged down and like, because it's sexy to have your road stories about bombing. And I mean, nothing makes me happier than hearing podcasts where like Bill Burr's talking about bombing. Mm-hmm. Cause you're like, that guy's my hero. It makes me feel normal. Right. Totally. Um, but you also, you, you want to get psyched about people doing well. Like that's the, that's the trap that you can't fall into.
0: Yeah, it's, it is like the way it is. The, uh, the thing that I'm curious about right now, I don't know if you have any advice for beginners, but should I continue to work the stuff that's working a little bit or just get out there and you know get in the habit of just new stuff all the time until you get comfortable?
2: Yeah, so it's hard with open mics because a lot of times you are... I've been thinking about this a lot, actually. Um, It's hard with open mics because a lot of times you're performing for the same 10 people, Mm -hmm. right? It's the same comics.
0: Yeah, you keep going back the same one every week or whatever, yeah.
2: Seattle, I remember having like a good scene. I remember when I was starting, I did like an open mic at the Comedy Underground Mm -hmm. in in Seattle because my grandparents lived up there. And there was a bunch of audience, too. Um, What I would say is you, the temptation is, you know, you're doing an open mic and you're like, I'm going to be Joe Rogan. I'm going to do new stuff every, every, every week. And it's like, okay, well, you got to get to that level first, right?
0: Uh-huh.
2: But you also don't want to be the guy who finds his killer five minutes and just, you know, yeah, does exactly. the ground. So what I would do is what we talked about with the set lists. What I would do is like, joke that's killing, for a little while that's your opener mm-hmm. right and then your second joke is like new and if that does well try another new joke cuz you got the audience right if it doesn't do well have your backup joke that you know kills um have a decent closer i mean at open mics it's not like you have to do a huge closer to a big i've definitely done smaller shows where i'm killing and then i try a new thing to close and it doesn't work and i go well shit, I guess I got to end on that. Yeah. Um, And it's kind of a bummer, but it's like, you know, who cares? You don't need to bring the house down every time, Um, especially at like these open mics. So I would say like find that balance. Try to do a new joke every week. Um, Weird jujitsu analogy um, for jokes that are bombing. I remember there was a part of me uh, that even if a joke kept bombing, I kept doing it the same way. And you almost (laughs) just... you stand up. Um, there's like a comfortability in patterns mm-hmm. where even if that pattern isn't good, you go, well, this is what happens. And it's not someone shouting, you're not funny. So, you know, I do this and then I do a joke that gets a better laugh. Um, and that happens in jujitsu jujitsu. Like when you first start, you're just getting beat up everywhere and it's weird. And then you get to a point where you're a little better, but you're still getting beat up, but you know why you're getting beat up and where you're getting beat up. So someone will take your back and start looking for chokes. And instead of trying to escape, you feel kind of comfortable. Maybe you gave him your back because you're like, at least I know what this position is. But that position is also a dude on your back trying to choke you. <laughs> you're
0: reenacting and, your trauma there.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it's not good. No. So, um, so also like, try to find ways to improve and grow on the jokes you already have as well. If a joke bombs don't necessarily throw it out right away, like look at it and be like, did I not give enough context up front? Did I seem kind of condescending? Did I, you know, um, was I not clear? Was there just like a tag? Um, I mean, and sometimes you're not going to know, man. Some of my biggest laughs have come from stuff I've improvised that night. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, great, this is my new closer. And then I do it the next night. And because it doesn't have that spontaneity, it bombs. And you're just like, ah, I thought that was like the funniest thing I've ever said. And it's like, well, it was in that moment. And then sometimes throwaway lines that you don't even think are the bit get the biggest laugh. So instead of being like, okay, I'll keep doing this bit with the throwaway line that's gonna kill, and then the punchline doesn't do well, but that's okay because the throwaway line does. It's like maybe that throwaway line's the bit, maybe the punchline that you were determined was, you know, or the premise you end of that bit. Maybe that's not it, man. Maybe it is the throwaway line, and how can you investigate that further? So it's really just like trial and error. Mm -hmm. It's over and over again. It's like. All right, you know G to C minor seventh sounds weird. Oh, G to B minor, that's it. That sounds good. That's pretty, right? Yep. Um, it's it, it it it's that. It's just it's putting the pieces together. It it it's throwing out the shit that doesn't work. Um, Bruce Lee, yep. right? It's like take what's useful, disregard what's useless. It's that.
0: Yeah. Except for you got to do it in front of people. I'm used to sitting there. Comp- I'm a composer more than anything. You know, that's the thing. It's like, it, I really want to make. Things more alive and improvisation it really comes out of having to play the same songs every night. I want something alive. Like, I'm not trying to be a professional comedian exactly or anything like that. I just, you know, I'm so attracted to dynamic, interactive yeah. improv. It's just not what... I wish I'd been an improvisation. I wish I'd spent my musical career being an improviser, but I didn't. It was an oh, arranger and a composer. And so, you know, my tendency is to write out ten paragraphs and memorize them and then try to go up there and say them, but it doesn't work, you know. <laughs> so we've got to figure yeah. out how to keep that live part of it. But it's it's been really fun. I don't know if I'll uh I don't know. I just there's so many benefits of doing it, of just the just getting up there and doing all all of it. Like it's got a lot of benefits to me in my life, regardless of whether or not I'd ever do anything with it. Just doing it a little bit makes me feel like a you know, not a badass, but I feel tough. Like I'm willing to get up there and that that's good enough.
2: Dude, that's a great space to be too. Um, I mean, I, 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 ironically, that sort of lack of pressure because you're already making a living as an artist and and stuff like that Mm -hmm. could actually really help you, you know, because you don't have to be bitter. You don't have to, you can just use it to hone your craft and get better at, 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 at everything else you do. You know, having nothing to lose is, is great. I I think the reason that a lot of us get so depressed and it can be so hard is because it's all we have. And so when you bomb, you just go, what am I fucking doing with my life?
1: Right. Whereas like
2: you are already kind of like living the dream. So don't walk in there cocky, walk in there, very humble, um, that you get to do it. And it's like, this will get to, this will better your other skills. And you do get to feel like a badass, and then, you know, start looking at it like, Inquisitively and 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 figure out how to get how to get better and and then maybe you do do it more maybe you incorporated more when you play like whatever, um. But yeah, no, you're in a great you're in a great space and you're asking the right questions too. I think.
0: Good, good. Well, thank you for the help so far. Um, the uh, other thing I really want to talk about with the time that we have is uh, I am very interested in the, the whew, I don't even how to describe it. I heard you on your Joe Rogan episode, and I know you've talked about it on other places too, when you, let me explain why I'm, this is interesting to me. It was I don't even know the language exactly for what you call social justice warrior and all that stuff, but I yeah. I was just riveted by you explaining what it is like to be one of those people on Twitter that is looking for the person to attack of the day. That's something that is just... Yeah. It's just mind-blowing to hear from that point of view. And I've told people, you got to go listen to that episode. We, in our community, and this podcast and another podcast, uh, we, we just had a big conference, a big event, and uh, things yeah, have been going that. super well for us. And the uh, we got into it, some tangles with some people like that that were trying to, I, I don't know, bring us down or whatever. I'm not trying to make them out to be the worst people in the world, but it's yeah. very much in that. Some people chose some things about us. Very- <laughs> this be
2: a te- This would be a terrifying moment. Where I'm like, I probably should have done more research. Where you're like, yeah, and these social justice warriors got mad. All we tried to do was have a Nazi conference. That's
0: all we tried to do was have an al- alt-right conference. And everybody got That's, all mad about it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We had
2: our little outfits That's and right. we got our torches. <laughs> and uh, look, I mean, black people aren't human, right? And yeah. if these social justice PC warriors on the left are going to get all exactly. mad at that. No, exactly. oh, no,
0: it was it was weird because we run in, in some circles of like what I would consider post-Christian. Like as people that grew up you know, in fundamentalist Christianity and stuff like that. And we've moved past and out of that. Um, And so there's a big community over there. And a lot of people that were, grew up, I think, fundamentalist Christians, a lot of them have jumped into progressivism. And it's just like crazy how almost fundamentalist they are on on the other side. And uh, we got into tangling with them, basically. But so I don't intend to knock these people, but I had to briefly explain the situation without trying to throw them all under the bus and all that kind of thing. But essentially, um, they, I invited some people to the conference to speak who I thought would be interesting, and they're more on that spectrum which I'm interested in. I think they have some good points. I think that they're, margin- they're more on
2: the progressive yeah. spectrum or right. the fundamentalist. No, okay. the
0: pr- progressive. I'm just saying they go so far that way that they start to smell like fundamentalists to me. That we were avoiding from the, you know, conservative side in the first place. But now Got they're it. so they're so far. Less. A lot of them are the same people. They flip from being fundamentalist on one side to the same approach only for social justice and whatever yes. these things are. So, so
2: who who would you say your audience? Primarily, so is your is your audience sort of like they were raised fundamentalist, and so yep. um, now they're kind of like more moderate. No, um, I mean, well, there. So I mean, there's some said, people
0: that are like closeted. They, they work at churches or have this family, or they live in a small town and they, they're closeted that they don't believe all this stuff anymore or that they, they question so, everything. And then we have a lot of atheists, and people have just moved on entirely. We're just acknowledging right. where we came from and speaking about it plainly and clearly and having fun with it.
2: And so that's so interesting, that's so, really cool. So then you guys got pushed back because some of the people were so like, what were some of the things that, uh, by the way, I. I've talked about my shit so much, and mm-hmm. I, I I've had so much fun doing this interview that if you've talked about this a million times and you're just like, I don't want to talk no, about it. No, it's
0: all right. No, uh, I'm I,
2: that's so fine. What, so, what were the 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 people that the progressives who were kind of taking it too far that were getting some pushback? Yes. What was like their deal? Like, what were they what were they saying?
0: Yeah. So, it, you know, I don't even think of us as a big deal or anything, but there's clearly some resentment for our success from some community. I mean, that sounds so assholeish to say, but I, it's like
2: no, I don't know, but it's real, but it's real. Yeah. got it. I've seen it.
0: Yeah, and so we, I asked a couple of people that I found to be very progressive to come to the conference. I asked them on Twitter because they they had said some stuff about the conference, like making fun of the white male progressive bros with the backwards hats doing their thing, whatever. They're just you know, and and I was like, no, I actually like yeah. some of the stuff you do. I'm interested. What our community is extremely diverse. We have Christians, atheists, lots of. I mean, it just it's a very diverse. It really is. And um, and they are just painting us as that's like no, I, you're the kind of people that I want to hear from. We just want to collect everybody and let everybody talk. We just we're open to anything. We have conservative people on and crazy. I mean everything. Right. So, um, and they were like immediately started in with now that. I'm talking to them, and it's a public forum. It's just like a trap, and, and it basically turns into, oh, well, I wouldn't come to your thing. I wouldn't feel safe. I wouldn't, I'm wouldn't. i not willing to do the emotional labor. I'm not willing to, though. Because, uh, and I'm like, whoa, whoa you're not, yeah. you you don't even understand what we are then, obviously. So let's try to work this out. So tried to do that. And then when they started with that, now you got our followers who are like, what the, f-? you know, they're like, are you serious? And then they're, it turned into where it seemed like we were attacking them for saying it wasn't a safe right. place, which was an absurd, just the most absurd thing in the world. So and, what you're you know, saying
2: is Twitter is not the place for nuanced. Yeah, pages. it was insane. <laughs> yeah. It was insane. Well, and, and then and it and just that's also, picked off that's this all,
0: whole chain reaction where it's like they can increase their platform by attacking us more. And that worked. And so now, yeah. like, uh, now there's hit pieces. And we had some people leak, uh our private Facebook group, leak some screenshots of people criticizing them. and it, And somebody wrote a big, story on it with all these leaked screenshots and stuff and it it got pretty nasty honestly i was like
2: shocked about it but i i mean you sound like i mean you definitely have a more secure life than i do right now (laughs) um with like a family and a home um (laughs) and and so but just in case because i know how um, how much that stuff hurts i was talking to um I did, um, my new buddy, uh, Steve Ranazzini's podcast, he's Mm -hmm. from the league, but also, uh, got in all that controversy over the nine 11 stuff. And man, it was so cathartic when we were talking to each other, this idea that when you are on an online controversy and his was way bigger than mine. Um, but when you're getting piled on, on Twitter and you feel like everybody knows, um, you take your phone with you. Um, you're taking a shit and you open up Twitter and you're being called a a cuck. You go out, uh, uh, on a date with your girlfriend or your wife and you're being called a racist, right? And Mm -hmm. granted, we're choosing to look at our phones, but it does feel like it's everybody. Yeah. And the reality of it is, um, nobody has come up to us in real life. Um, and those people don't exist. And when I hear you I almost got like a wistful, a combination of nostalgia and PTSD. (laughs) Yeah. When you were like, they're taking screenshots of our private Facebook. And I'm just like, oh, that's right. You guys think that everyone else knows what that is because it's your world. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And I I hope that makes you feel good. Yeah. Because it does feel when it gets that. Well, I mean, dude, my old show, like towards the end of it, Suddenly you're like, you're not even covering news stories. You're like, okay, we're going to cover the backlash to the article. That was a response. That was a response piece to the Facebook post that, linked to the blog and That's you're just right. like it's so weird. Jesus Christ nobody cares it becomes this like sort of like hipster outrage cycle um, where you're like oh you were offended at the New York Times piece I was offended at the response that was offended to the New York Times piece mm-hmm. and it's just like oh my god w- this is why the world is in turmoil
0: <laughs> yeah um, but it's it's weird because it seems you know I've fallen into a couple of traps I've been in a couple other groups here or there tried to engage with somebody and then you realize oh these are well worn tactics you know what you're doing and i've walked into this thing now
2: yeah i know you weren't trying to be funny but that was so funny because you said it so earnestly we're like i've fallen into my traps before (laughs)
0: yeah i mean that's what it's like you know i'm like oh no no let me clear this up and you enter some other online community and they're they're organized and that's what that's what's so weird about it yeah so i was wondering if you could tell me i mean if people don't know it's you have this whole backstory of how you were And forgive me, I'm not trying to paint you in a bad brush, but you were on that side doing those tactics. So I wanted to see for you to kind of explain what is going on over there. How how is it so organized? And it seems effective because what what winds up happening is they'll make enough noise. And bait you into all these things until other neutral people feel like they have to distance themselves from you or weigh in, or you know, you can start yeah. seeing it. It works. Like I, I, oh. I hear what you're saying. Doesn't? It's not that big of a deal to me, and I have a good, stable life and all that stuff. But he's like, whoa, like these people oh, no, no. are, are yeah, really yeah. causing other people to have to come down with a strong
2: opinion, or, or so. It's yeah, weird. So I, I have a million thoughts. One, I wasn't trying to minimalize what you went through. I was actually saying, "Hey, dude, don't worry because I know how it feels like everyone is against you when it's online." Yeah, and I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And everyone in your neighborhood doesn't know what the fuck you're talking about. And you should relish in that, right? You should be able to still, if you're called a fucking racist and you know you're not, if I'm called a sexist and I know I'm not, we can still walk around town with our hell, our head held high. Yeah, thanks. Knowing that the majority of people don't think that. Um, and especially the ones who know us. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I was saying is it seems much bigger than it is. So the other thing is like, I mean, granted I was sort of, I mean, I I took myself offline and I wish it happened in a different way. I wish I just went to some fucking meditation retreat and was like, you know what? (laughs) Like I need to get more in tune with nature, but instead it was like these fucking insane lynch mobs. Mm -hmm. Um, but being off of social media for a year. Um, and now I have my set. Well, so being off social media for a year was the best thing. One of the best things that ever happened to me. Um, my family has told me this is the old, first time we felt engaged with you in years. Cause I'm not mm. just looking at my phone, my friends. I don't have to, you know, tweet a conversation, uh, that we had to try to get likes my being, being on the left, being progressive, um, actually caring about issues instead of just posting about it for the retweets. Like it, it actually makes the things you care about more sincere, right? Like, or fuck politics, fuck the left. Um, just being a decent person in real life, being a good friend, being a good teacher, being a good brother, being a good boyfriend. Um, that stuff I think has probably impacted people in my, in my real life compared to this bullshit Twitter activism. Right. Mm -hmm. Which again, Twitter and social media has done some great things and spotlighted, um, you know, shitty journalism and, um, things that weren't getting covered before, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, for the context of this conversation, so, um, you don't have to respond, um, and you definitely shouldn't respond to the point where it's affecting your life. And it's hard when you have someone saying something that is false about you. Um it's infuriating, but knowing what I know now, which is that the majority of people don't know why engage, why make it worse? If you, and this look, I've been reading a lot of Buddhism. Um, it's like, if you know who you are inside and you live your life that way, uh, fuck those people, let them do what they want. I mean, you know. I haven't read a lot on Jordan Peterson. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is going to get me in trouble. I haven't read a lot on Jordan Peterson. All I know about Jordan Peterson is your audience going to be familiar enough with him? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. If, if like, yeah. Okay. So all I knew about Jordan Peterson is right now he's like the most hated guy on the left. I'm trying to get him on my podcast.
0: Yep. Uh, I, ha- I had him last week and he canceled. He was busy or had bad internet, but I'm trying to reschedule. But I was. Yeah. I, but yeah, he's. Yeah, exactly that.
2: So I listen to this Rogan interview and I go, all right, here we go. Let's uh let's let's hear this hateful monster. That's right. And when he talks about like bettering yourself, mm-hmm. I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Cool. That's the most inspirational thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> and I like wrote stuff down that he said. Now, uh, does that mean I'm gonna agree with him on everything? Absolutely not. But Jordan Peterson, I believe on Rogan Show, is like Uh, these people that hate me have given me a living (laughs) and I'm, I'm making money off them. And, you know, he engages a little bit, but like that dude's not on Twitter, adding a bunch of people from what I see on his Twitter. If an article is posted about him, that's negative. He'll retweet it and be like, wow, this, this is bad journalism. Um, but he's not fighting with people and you see people who get sucked at and it looks almost sad where it's just like, dude, go outside. Go be with your family. Go enjoy your life. You don't, these people aren't looking for on Twitter. And I've had conversations in real life with people I disagree with nowadays, and they've been phenomenal and eye opening. And I've changed my mind on issues. I mean, Joe Show, I've changed my mind on a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really good and healthy and it's evolution. It's not flip flopping. Right, exactly. Uh, a- and, but they're not looking to change their mind on Twitter they're looking to get likes by being inflammatory, um, at you. And so what makes it interesting on the left, and I'm still self-righteous, even in my denounce denouncing, um, is you, for me, and I'll get into the cycle and, and, and why I did it. Um, I'm not avoiding that. Uh, I have so many thoughts on this. <laughs> um, for me on the left, it was like, it was hard to feel like I was part of the problem when the things you're standing up for intrinsically at, at, at its mm-hmm. core are good. Right. Right. Sexism. You believe is in bad. it for sure. Yeah. yeah. Homophobia is bad. Racism is bad. These are all things we can agree on. Um, With that said, I was the dick joke comedy monkey in the circle. I dropped out of high school, everyone else were journalists. I was finally getting attention from smart people. So if someone said, told me that that joke was offensive, um, I kind of would, I, I, I didn't have the confidence enough should have read Jordan Peterson. I didn't have the confidence enough to be like, shut up. (laughs) It's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm on the right side. Um, you know, it's comedy. I would be like, oh, okay. And now suddenly I'm like, well, that thing's offensive. So, and then my sort of circle of what I I could say just started shrinking. Um, and that's sort of how I ended up on the left of left of, of, of left. And I never, you know, did
0: you know that you were just like extreme left or way over there? Did you, were you aware of that or it felt normal or center to you in some way?
2: Well, Again, what I always thought extreme left was, and the reason I hated when people were like the extreme right's as bad as the extreme left, I'm like, I was always like, what, the extreme left wants you to have too much free education, or they want you to have too much free healthcare? Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, he's so extreme. Look at all those wars he's not starting. <laughs> um whereas like to me, the extreme right cost lives and rights and, and and that to me was so much more dangerous. But when it comes to rhetoric and tactics. And, you know, I almost think the extreme left is, is hurting their, their cause because instead of talking about, you know, trans rights, we're talking about uh, this person's not using this bizarre pronoun or, and I don't mean he, she, I mean like that weird list, which, you know, I haven't really looked into, or, you know, instead of talking about like class divide we're talking about, oh, this comedian said this word or this tweet got taken out of context. And it's like, we're, we're not even doing the thing we're supposed to be doing. We're not even accomplishing the the goals that we want. And I think there was such a backlash to that with the, the the Trump election to the sort of the overly PC culture. So, so for me, it just came down to when, when, when you asked me, did I know, here's all I knew. I knew I was fucking depressed. I knew that, um, I wasn't hanging out with comedians anymore. I was hanging out with journalists none of which had my back when my life imploded. Uh two did actually. Uh Johan Hari who, uh, also went through a controversy is brilliant journalist. He's actually doing Rogan's next week. I'm so proud of him and excited. Oh. And he just wrote this book on depression called, um, uh, uh, lost connections. And he also, his last book was about the drug war, um, called Trace- chasing the scream and he's so brilliant and so kind. And, he, and, uh, my podcast with him, uh, is going to air on Monday. Um, we talk all about this, but he called me essentially to be like, Hey man, don't kill yourself. Um, none of my progressive friends did besides him. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm so glad the book is like crushing it. I mean, dude, his book is the only book. It has a blurb from Tucker Carlson and Hillary Clinton. Like, and it's all about being like over medicated and sort of, how a lot of the causes of depression are like societal and we don't look at society, um, as causes we go, well, my brain's broken and I'm a broken human, which is how I felt not, Oh, my wife left me and I hate my fucking job. And, uh, I'm poor and I feel like I'm never going to have goals and never going to actually like live a dream. And anyway, so that drops Monday, fuck a pod with Jamie Kilstein. So, um, so for me, it was, my life was miserable. Um, you know, I, I hung out with people who obviously didn't respect me. Um, you know, my marriage was starting to to fail and I was desperately trying to make that work. Um, at the time to try to make the marriage work, I, I was in an open relationship and I, I didn't like that. I don't like the sort of one night stand lifestyle. Um. You know, I mean, fuck, man, I'd be the dude who's like, yeah, time to have a one night stand because I'm on the road. And then suddenly be like, do I love you? Um, <laughs> like, I'm, I, I, I was just like confused about that. But here's what I wasn't confused about I could wake up every morning and instead of trying to give myself a better life, I could open up the computer. I would see an army of people who supported me, right? I could see my little check mark next to my Twitter. Um, you know, I talk about this with Johan about depression, about how we crave community. Right. And I think that's a lot of online addiction uh-huh. is we're so I isolated. Um, uh, we're so isolated as humans now with our day to day job. Dude, there's this statistic in his book that was like the average British child spends less time outside than someone in a uh, maximum security prison. Yikes! Like that's where, we're at. that's where we're at right now. Um, and suddenly you have this Twitter community. Where I'm like, oh, if I call David from a a a cunt, <laughs> uh, thousands of people—not thousands, but are gonna like it. A celebrity is gonna retweet it, and suddenly I have what I'm lacking in real life, which is friends and love and affection. I have online, and it's artificial, but it feels very real. Well, right? on top of that, you so, have a purpose
0: too, because it's for a good. Like it's meaningful. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. And so literally what would happen is I would wake up to bad news. You open Twitter. So you're already starting your day off like negatively, right? Mm-hmm. We still do this. We wake up, check our phones and we're just inundated with what we have to do and what Trump did. And are we going to die? And, uh, I would go, who's trending on Twitter. Okay. This conservative is trending on Twitter now, or this, or more likely because again, hipsters, who's the liberal who said the bad thing, which is what happened to me. So you find the liberal who said the bad thing, right? And I don't have time to read an article. I certainly don't have time to read an article that's going to talk about the other side. Right. I just see what all of my friends that I chose to follow are saying, okay, they're saying he said this, he said this thing, um, that could have been taken as racist. So I don't read the article. I don't read his defense. Uh, I read everyone else's tweet and I go, well, I got to act quick before this isn't trending anymore. So I take little bits and pieces and I try to make the best joke I can going after that guy. He blocks me. Ha ha ha. I get to brag about how he blocked me. Like that's my fucking, that's what I get to be prideful about. The fact that I harassed someone to the point where they were like, I can't literally look at what what you're saying. Me like, that's awful. I don't think about his family. I don't think about maybe he's going to lose his job. I don't think about maybe there's another side to this. Once you're branded a racist on Twitter, or once you're branded a creepy dude, like, that's yeah. kind of your identity. Um, a- yeah. And they're just a Twitter icon. It's just a video game where you're getting support. So um, you make your little joke, and then you move on. And you never think about that guy again until he fucks up again. It is the goal to piece. hurt him
0: exactly, though? You know, like, what is the—I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, you you see him as a bad guy because all your friends are saying, well, they're doing—this guy's probably all right now. Okay, let's get him. You're doing a good thing? Well,
2: get again- well, yeah. Cause it's self-righteous because you don't do the investigating. Mm-hmm. So you just assume, uh, you know, I mean, look, man, if I saw someone on the street today after what I went through, um, call a black kid, the N word, I'm beating the shit out of that guy. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Um, like, so if, if the problem is we don't investigate and there's no nuance and you go, I, so Brett Weinstein's another guy I heard on Rogan's mm-hmm. show and all I've heard is that he's this huge transphobic guy, and I heard him. Oh no! actually uh, I listened to him on Sam Harris's show, and he gave this beautiful speech about, you know, look, man, I don't know about the biology right now, but I know that trans people are people, and that we have to take care of them, and um, you know, not not in a, a coddling way, but like we have to like. Yeah respect them and stand up for people's rights. And it, it it was beautiful. And I was just like, Oh my God, this guy is one of the most demonized dudes on the left right now. Maybe he's done other shit I haven't seen, but when it comes to transphobia, his answer was beautiful. Um, and I would have never heard that before in my circle. Was I would just, have you, been he was just, he
0: had the, he was on the bad list and it's good to get, get after him. Is, he, is he's, the idea. he's on the bad
2: list. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And so for me, I personally wasn't trying to hurt people cause I, that's not who I am. I wasn't like, I'm going to end this guy's career. Um, I just wanted the approval. Yeah. With that said, there are people who have come after me. There are people who have gone after many people that, that the ones who are, will, you know, be like, this person should never work again. Right. right. Then it's like, okay, you got something going on where you are trying to physically hurt um, somebody and take away their livelihood, I never, to me, I was just ignorant. I didn't know that's what was happening. Like I said, I saw it as a video game to, like, heal my wow. shitty life. Yeah. Um, it's a mix but there of people, are, I
0: guess, people I, doing that, you know. Like, there's, I guess there's all, all, lots of motives, but it's just weird how they seem to be almost organized. Like, I ran into and saw and people send me other groups or screenshots of how the – they would get together and try to dig up dirt and then go at, you know, like here's the person we're going after. Like, Oh
2: yeah. yeah. I never even had that much. I was too lazy. I was like, I never did that. I just looked at what other people found and would like retweet it and stuff. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's, I have people now who anytime I get booked at a club, will call the club and try to get me fired. And I was like, Oh, you never want me to work again. I had a very famous comic go after me. Um, you know, kind of cause I'm an easy target and knowing I was like homeless and fucking suicide didn't matter. Um, he's like, I'm going to ruin this person because you know, you're projecting your own shit. I get it, man. I've been there. Um, you have your millions of followers, like whatever. Um, I know I'm happier. It, I'm at this weird place right now where it's the lowest I've ever been like financially and all this stuff, but it's also the most secure and happiest I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's a lot of it has to do with not doing that shit anymore. And, you know, it's we we don't think about the other human on the other side of the screen. We don't try to reach out to them. We don't try to help them because, you know, it goes back to the comedy club. Afraid to laugh. Right. Like you're afraid. That's right.
0: All this seems evolutionarily based to me. Like you there's a chicken this week and everybody's going to peck it till it dies. That's just what we do. That's just what it's like, you know.
2: It's yeah, true. the old progressive in me almost kicked in. Was like, um, not a chick, a woman, <laughs>
0: <laughs> little baby chick. That's appropriate. Uh, I've seen it happen.
2: Don't woman, yeah. <laughs> Matt. Um, so yeah, um, I, I'm I'm really glad that part of my life is over. It, it's been, it's been, I, dude. I thought I was gonna have no support when I came back and did Rogan show and started my own podcast. And it's so nice that even people who listen to my old, very lefty podcast have been, you know, not many. But fucking a hundred or so people who wrote me, uh, and were like, dude, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're not dead. Like, I mean, these emails have literally like almost brought me to fucking tears. Uh Um, and now I just like, yeah, I'm not judging people on that uh, on internet garbage anymore. So like my advice to you, man, keep making shit, like keep making shit and let them, if that's their life, like there's something sad going on there. And you just don't want to be involved. You don't want that negativity in your life. You just want to like make stuff, you know, be a good person. Like if people are going to call me sexist or they're going to call me uh, a a turncoat or or say very false things about me, I'm like, all I can do is, you know, kind of wish you well and just lead the best life that's antithetical to that, um, that I can. And it's like, you know, there it is. Um, but yeah, I do see how it can get as fanatic as religious. You have a leader yeah. and they tell you um, they tell you what to do and what to believe. And you go, all right, this feels fucking weird, but I guess we're doing this today. And then you do it.
0: Yeah. Well, the ends justify the means kind of approach to those things typically where it's like, you know, well, they're bad people or they're doing something bad or it's for a good call. So it doesn't matter the tactics exactly if you're completely honest because we're doing a good thing. And it's just weird because a lot of people get mixed up in it, and I know it's for different reasons, so I don't think those are bad people. Like, they're the bad guys. I think there's so many there's so many people mixed up in there. It's almost like it does prey on or recruit weak or depressed people in a way. I don't mean to even call them weak, but it's like, no, I don't know. you know, just I mean, like ISIS is. recruits the, the, these mar- super marginalized people and then gets them Dude, to that- do the
2: dirty work, you know? Isis cults, political extremist religion where it's like, yeah, because again, you want that well-meaning people unity and you want that support and that, you know, not to, uh, not to defend, not to close out this interview defending ISIS. (laughs) Uh, but, but it's also like, um, you know, I, I, I think about this a lot with like, I may have even said this on Joe's with like religious extremism where it's like, if I am a, 30-year-old father and I don't have a job and my home was blown up and my child was murdered and let's say I'm a moderate let's say I'm a fucking atheist right yeah and my kid was murdered by Americans and I have nothing and an extremist comes up to me and goes hey do you want to go after the people who killed your family and if you believe in God, you're gonna be a martyr, and you get to go to paradise, which is the opposite of the life you're living, which is you have nothing. Right? Uh, that's a tempting offer. Yep.
0: Yeah. It makes you know sense what I mean? for sure. Um. Yeah. It's, it's weird. It's been interesting to see how it all unfolds. And I, I kind of am an optimist overall that I think these things will, will get worked out. It's like we have, uh, we just don't have the social norms, you know, like it took how long did it take to get manners and through all through colonial England and when you take your hat off and where you put your coat and what you do with your silverware. And it's just yeah, yeah. a free for all. It's, it changes so fast that there aren't norms and, you know, we don't even, you know, people don't know what they're doing and it just,
2: just yeah, happens so fast. And even shows like this has, have been so cathartic for me. Cause I, I've still been sort of afraid to like tweet anything more moderate or, you know, cause the, the, the tweets I still see are from the old people I I, I followed and I, I'm very open on my, on my podcast and I've, I've been pretty open in interviews. Um, or been very open in interviews. Um, and probably said stuff I shouldn't on, on my podcast, but, I, I I still have that sort of fear of backlash because in my head, I mean, that was my world mm-hmm. where I'm like, these are the only people who would like me. I can't, uh, offend them, but you know, going on Rogan's like, I mean, hopefully after doing this show, um, uh, Chris Ryan's show, I've done a bunch of shows where just having normal people reach out who are like, yeah, dude, like you're not crazy or you're funny. Um, and you don't have to be this like fucking political extremist. It's been really cool. I think I just forgot there were other audiences out wow. there. Yeah. You that's
0: know? interesting to hear. I think it's really useful to hear because I just, I think people hearing that hopefully can realize, wait a minute, wh- wh- why, what is it? What is this behavior in me satisfying? Like, is it really the thing I think it is? Cause it's pretty easy to fool yourself and, and just roll along with people. So I, I hope more people can do that but i think what what you've done is like i don't know there's not that many stories where people reverse course i miss mean, a re- it, you won't accept it this way but it's like a redemption story i know you're still down and out and ah, depressed and no, finance all that it. stuff but it's like a redemption story in a sense that you have made you have made a major change in the way that you think about yourself and now are out there living it out and it i think it really matters that's what's interesting that's what's compelling to me about it regardless of the situation you're in right now, which doesn't sound like it's great from, from what I gather talking to you and on fuck up pod and, and, and that kind of thing. So I think yeah. that's compelling because you're living out something that you think is true. And it's an alteration of yourself and it's not for any exact immediate gain or whatever. It's just, you're trying to do the right thing and you're going to see where that leads. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a compelling story.
2: Well, thanks brother. And I I hope more, I, I I hope there are other people who feel that way. I mean, it seems like, it seems like there is. And like I said, it's, It's one of those things I would rather be in the financial situation I am now than having kept gain, gaining notoriety, um, and being as just miserable and depressed and, and trying to just spend my life going after other people instead of just trying to be a better person. It Mm -hmm. sounds so cheesy and cliche, but like, man, it's true. Like I fucking, you know, I get to do jujitsu. I get to make a podcast. I get to interview people. I like, I get to meet people like you now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, got a dope cat, you know, it's, uh, it's good, man. I, I honestly, I walk around happier. I walk around more confident. I smile at strangers more like I'm just, a, uh, you know, not being put into this box and not being told what you have to think and what you have to say is, um, and you know, not like anyone was ever actually forcing me, but you get this audience and you do kind mm-hmm. of feel you self censor, you self censor. Right. So it was my fault. Uh, um, but you're also doing it for your livelihood and, and stuff like that. And it's just uh it, it's really freeing just being like, I'm just I'm just gonna do, I'm just gonna say what I feel. Um and no one can tell me what to do. And if they like it, cool, they'll support me. And if they don't, like I don't have to see that shit. That's great. And so your
0: podcast your new podcast now is Fuck Up Pod and uh yeah
2: so uh you can look it up i think if you look it up on itunes you have to go f up pod because yeah. they don't let you curse i didn't market this well uh yeah, I
0: suppose it's like but, f star star stars like how are you gonna search that you know, yeah if you
2: just if you google fuck up pod with jamie kilstein or you write uh f up pod with jamie kilstein uh it'll come up i also you can go to uh fuckuppod.com which is the patreon page mm-hmm. which you don't have to subscribe to but that has the link to the free That's apple uh site and we uh yeah i uh Interviewed Moby this week and we just talk about like girls nice. and insecurities and um which is aw- and The Simpsons, which was, was so fun. And then the Johan Hari interview um comes Monday. And I have a bunch of people who want to do it. Like Stanhope's gonna do it. Joey Diaz is gonna do oh, it. Great. I want to get fucking Peterson on. Like um Andrew Sullivan uh is gonna He's do great. it down the line. He just got a lot of shit, but like that's someone I would never talk to What did he do? What did he get shit for? He wrote a fucking a nuanced piece about me too. (laughs) Oh,
0: he did (laughs) about the me too movement. A nuance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: I I, I mean, again, like the same deal where he's like, yeah, guys, rape is bad. We should definitely be doing this. Should we maybe not say that? Like ass grabbing is the same as rape, like just as nuanced as possible. And people were like, you're a rapist. He needs to go. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, he's just been said, and dude, I used to shit all over him. I wrote that in my email and I'm like, he just wrote me the sweetest, most thoughtful, email. So I was like, yeah, I get to talk to like, sure. He's like, he's a conservative, but like, he's also like, Speaking out against Trump, and he also was like hugely brave during like the LGBT movement and the uh I- I AIDS outbreaks. And it's like, I would have never talked to this guy, like, this is an actual friend I can have now because I-, I-, I don't have to worry about that shit. Like, that's a big fucking deal. So, anyway, um, gotta keep stop plugging other people. So, yeah, it's fuck up pod uh with Jamie Kilstein, and then um, my Twitter is at Jamie Kilstein, um, and my Facebook is facebook.com slash Jamie Kilstein fan page, and then I start started a brand new Instagram. I had to restart an Instagram, which is just fuck up pod. So follow me there first because I have uh, not a lot of followers and it makes me sad.
0: Well, we'll get you a few more on this. I'm not promising a ton, but people go follow uh, Jamie and you keep doing the work and keep being interesting and honest. And I, I, I mean, you know, I, I'm excited to see where you go in the, for the next chapter and I appreciate your yeah. time today. I like the stuff that you're doing very much.
2: Yeah, man. Well, let's stay in touch and be like real life friends. Okay.
0: Sounds good. I'll let you wear you in LA somewhere.
2: Yeah, I'm in LA, but I mean, once I start touring, Seattle is going to be like one of the first places I want to go. I fucking love it up there.
0: Right, on. I'll let you know when I'm in LA next. It'll be in a little while, but yeah, we we'll a out. pretty good amount. Um,
2: love but it. uh, yeah, I appreciate some, it. Uh, some fucking Nazi rally. <laughs> yeah, well, you got it. You got it. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah, I appreciate so sorry it. Take that clip out of context. See you, buddy.
1: You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, JabberjawMedia.com.